Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want more Directionally Challenged in your life? The Directionally Challenged podcast is now officially on Patreon. Sign up on Patreon today to unlock exclusive bonus episodes where we take everything we've learned on this podcast and dish it back to you, answering your questions and giving you our advice. Thank you, DC Patreon members, Samantha Flowers, Heidi Hill, and Sean Williams for already submitting your questions. We can't wait to answer them for you in next week's bonus episode. By joining and supporting our Patreon, you'll also be supporting this all-female-run podcast. It's so easy. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash directionallychallenged. That's it. Again, it's patreon.com slash directionallychallenged. See you there. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla and we are Directionally Challenged. Yep, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. We don't have anything figured we out. We don't. And no. that's okay. <laughs> it's totally okay that we don't have everything figured out. And that's why we get to have this podcast where week after week we invite guests on to give us a little bit of direction. 
And today we're going to get some direction on how to deal with grief. In 2020, it's impossible for us to not know one person who is dealing with grief. There are different various versions of grief, whether it's been losing someone to COVID, uh, death, divorce, losing a job, losing a business, even losing out on a senior year and a prom that you've been looking forward to. All of these things can coexist. And that's what we're going to talk about with our guest today, Nora McInerney. And Nora is an infamous author of It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too. Also, The Hot Young Widows Club. Another book she has is No Happy Endings and Bad Moms, the novel. We are huge fans, uh, like Candace said, of her podcast, Terrible Thanks for Asking. She's a social entrepreneur, a mama, a hot young widow who has remarried and is raising a beautiful blended family with her current husband. She knows from experience that even if your story makes people sad, you are not a sad story. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Nora McInerney. Well, Nora McInerney, we are so excited to have you here. I have been a huge fan of your podcast. I really thought I was dreaming today when we, when I saw the email that we were sitting down to talk with you. I've been very excited. Um, as someone who talks to people on their worst days about some of the worst things that have happened to them and who's essentially made a public career out of discussing grief, what has your conversations been like with the people around you in 2020 so far? With the people I know personally? And just in general, or, or do you find just that people general? are wanting to share more with you or feel that you'll have more understanding? Even when I had like a really good, normal, boring life, I was one of those people for whom uh, the, a, a stranger would sense, I should tell you this, this secret about me since I was a child, like that has been my personal experience is just, Oh, like I, I am a person that people will, will share things with. Um, even though, I mean, for most of my life, I literally could not relate. And I was like, wow, that's never, I, I've not experienced literally anything, but that sounds really hard. So you were essentially so. everyone's hairdresser. Because everyone yes. tells their hairdresser all their inner, <laughs> innermost right demons, hundred percent. And my sister in law was my my hairstylist, and then turned into like a a nurse. And she was like, "Oh, it's the same thing. Like you're just taking care of people. <laughs> like all it is. That's all it is. I mean, one, you know, like you do. You know, there's like maybe a little bit more like medical knowledge, but like it's basically all the same job. Which is also like I, I think just like a part of being like a woman, even like a, ch a child woman, a little girl is like, oh, you are adept at emotionally caring for the people around you. So who knows if that was like a special gift of mine, or if it was some sort of like inherited trauma, or just my way of trying to like make myself useful to the world as like, you know, the third child out of four, who knows, like that is something that we can discuss in therapy. And we are, but <laughs> 2020, I mean, every single person who could not relate to my work or or, or didn't want to, um, is now finding it suddenly relevant to them. I, I, I cannot tell you how many times I hate telling people what I do. Like if, if we are, if we meet in real life and someone's like, Oh, what do you do? I'm like, have you seen that TikTok where it's like, I'm an accountant. <laughs> I'm an, nobody asks you questions when you say you're an accountant. That's how I feel. I'm always like, I'm an accountant. 
Yeah, I because everyone's like, that sounds terrible. Great, wonderful. Oh, uh, on the on the off chance they ask like me a tax question, I'm like, that's not really my area area of specialty. But <laughs> I I I don't like to tell people strangers what I do because it sounds like I'm a professional bummer. Um, or like the reaction is like, oh god, oh, like it's just you can tell there's sort of like a little bit of like emotional breaks on it, but um. It is, it is certainly a strange feeling to suddenly have the thing that you do feel more relevant, even though what I've been saying for six years is that it is highly relevant to everybody because life is very hard for everybody. And the work that I do in the books that I write and the podcasts that I make, I, I really have never categorized them as about grief even though obviously they are, there's a lot of death in my podcast, you know, there's a lot of death in, in my, in my life. And also grief has always been about more than death. And, and, and I was grieving before Aaron even died. And if somebody would have said that to me, I probably would have wanted to punch them in the face because it would have felt like a betrayal of him because, um, we are also as American women, um, also extremely addicted to positivity mm-hmm. and to things being good and to goodness and things being like, okay. And like, you know, rising above it and like hustling and like, you know, get it, you know, uh, it's all up to you. And like, it's, it's truly not, uh, most of life is actually not up to us in any way. So, um, I guess my, my conversations with people really haven't changed. It just seems like more people are, engaging in those conversations because uh for for a lot of people 2020 is like the most challenging time of their lives and for quite a lot of people they're like oh we've already been here like we've already been here and that and that that goes for more than just like grief and loss that goes for uh you know socioeconomic issues for racial justice like there are a lot of people for whom 2020 is the event and there are uh, far more people who are like, <clears throat> so, um, yes, things have always been, uh, qu- the, the vibes have always been bad. Okay. <laughs> bad vibes only actually with the occasional break for like a good vibe to sneak in. So, well, can we talk a little bit about a year that changed your life? Um, 2014, that mm-hmm. was essentially what you're saying. You know, there's a lot of people who have been living, uh, saying, yeah, we don't always have to be present and being like, haha, coffee in the morning, hashtag sunny days. Um, can we talk about your year in 2014 and, um, and Aaron, who you just mentioned as well? Yeah. So Aaron's my first husband. Uh, and 2014 was, I mean, just that was that 2014 was my 2020. Uh, for, for anybody who's like, oh my God, this is the hardest year of my life. I'm like, jump on in the water's warm. So 2014, uh, Aaron had had cancer, had had brain cancer, had been treating that brain cancer for three years. And uh, we knew it wasn't going well. It's not hard to see the effects of cancer on a body. It was not hard to look at him and realize by um, July 2014, that was going to be our last July. That mm-hmm. that that we were winding something down, and uh, it was an extremely lonely year. It was an extremely lonely year because I could tell from uh, my interactions or lack thereof with certain you know members of our family or or our our, our friend circle. And when I met Aaron, he was just so, uh, 
it was the great Gatsby, like all the mm-hmm. time, only he wasn't a fraud. Like he was just so fun. And he made everybody feel like, oh my God, you're here. Now the party has started. You belong here. It was just like, and that's how I felt meeting him. I was so self-conscious my entire life. I could not walk into a room if other people were there. I could not walk into a room alone without wanting to like Alex smack myself down into like liquid and like, you know, slither away. Like Such a good reference. <laughs> And Aaron was just like, he just never felt that way. He was just so buoyant and he was so joyous and fun. And like my life with him was truly so fun. Even him suffering through cancer, he like made fun. I remember him having, which sounds so fucked up, but I remember, fudged up, but I remember him having- Oh no, you can cuss, uh, you're fine. Okay, good. (laughs) I remember him having uh, a seizure and I'd not yet seen one. I'd not yet seen him have one. And they are extremely violent. They are extremely horrible. And he, we're standing in our bedroom and I just felt like, like something hit me. I was like, what the dude, like right in my boobs, it was his hand and it was moving without him. And it just kept, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I think I'm going down. Um, And I like tried to throw him on the bed, but I didn't do it right. And he was like, you're, he's like losing it. Um, and started to go into like a grand mal seizure. And he was like, you're such a weakling. He's like, I weigh like 60 pounds. What's wrong with you? I was like, oh my God, like just, and he like lost consciousness. He came back and he was like, I can't believe like you couldn't get me up. I was like, I know dude. Uh, and it was horrible. It was so traumatic. And also like, that's just how he was. He made everything feel uh, happy. And w- like certain friends had started to pull away, stop coming over. It's hard when you see it every day, you, you, it's not as shocking to you. And so I can understand now how people who only saw him once a month, once every couple of months would come over and it would be shocking to them and it would be painful for them. And also I truly did not care <laughs> because I knew that what he was going through was worse. And I wanted them to buck up, come over, be a friend, sit with him. He, you don't want to see him die. Well, guess what? He doesn't want to die. Mm-hmm. So that loneliness that, that feeling of people pulling away from the hard stuff, which is truly the stuff of life had begun before Aaron died. And he was dying. My dad that same summer, um, was diagnosed with cancer. I was not listening, but it was just a general lies. It was just everywhere. It was, he'd, he'd been in Vietnam by that point, he had all the cancers and it was not going well. And they were going to try to do chemo and he did it for a couple months and was like, I feel like crap. This is terrible. I, I, I desperately want to have another baby with Aaron because I'm unwell mentally. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm grasping at any part of him that I can have and keep. And so I take that frozen sperm, I get pregnant again. We do an IUI, which is the only version of fertility treatments we can afford. And I get pregnant and I'm like, okay, this is, it's going to be fine. Obviously this baby will be magic. It'll keep them alive. I'm, I'm, I'm a magical creature. I lose that pregnancy on October 3rd. I have a DNC. I take Aaron out to his last art show that he was ever in. I don't tell anybody. I am gushing blood. I am on Percocet. Uh, I five days later, my dad dies um, of cancer, and then six weeks after that, Aaron dies, and that that wraps up 2014 in a nice little bow. Aaron died three days before Thanksgiving. So you bet my family all dressed up and had a in meal where we pretended to be thankful and it was horrible right. and none of us said anything to each other and my mom and I got in an argument because I was on my phone too much and I was like why wouldn't I be on my phone why wouldn't I be paging through tumblr looking at you know like 
a, a teenage girl fanfic of Twilight. Obviously, <laughs> this is where, where I belong. So it was, that was like the year where everything everything got as what I thought as would be as bad as it could ever get. And now I look back at that and see, okay, but we were on a pretty downward slide for a while. Erin was diagnosed in 2011 and I was just so used to living at like a high level of like stress and functional grief that I, uh, I, I don't know. I was just, I was just, I didn't know any other way to be other than to keep my stuff together and, uh, and keep, keep, you know, looking good, uh, like, and not let anybody feel bad for me, not let anybody do anything for me, because then they would know that I, I don't know, what would they know? Like that I needed help. It's just so bananas. But at the, at the time it made complete and, and perfect sense that the, that the way that I could get through this was by being competent. The curse of the competent woman is that, you know, the more that you can do, the more you do. And then the more people believe you can do, right. so the more they leave you alone. And that happens professionally and it happens personally. So that was, that was 2014 for me. And I was a exceptionally, I did not think of myself as like a gifted actress, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say Hollywood call me because I was, I did such a good job at convincing everyone in my life that I was really doing well. <laughs> like I was doing great. You talk about how everyone would ask you at this time, like, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm great. I'm doing well. And it's that that competent woman. You've got everything together. Um, When inside you're you yourself are just just experiencing immense grief and what you really want to say and probably or maybe should have said is I'm fucking terrible. I am dying inside. I am. So what made you make that transition? How did you make the transition from being like, oh, everything's great to, you know what? I'm just going to cut all through all the bullshit and be honest with you. Life is the worst. I mean, it's not, a, it wasn't a light, but it was like a dimmer switch mm-hmm. of like a lot of awful things that I realized were sort of prisons of my own making. And, uh, that I built that prison pretty much by just saying fine or, 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 or trying to convince people that I was doing better than I was. And, um, I started to, uh, connect with other widows in that time, which is also something I was extremely resistant to. Like, I don't even want to be a widow. So why would I want to be friends with one? Like literally, why would, why would that push us together? Like, I don't know you, you don't know me. Why would we be friends? Cause our husbands are dead. The dumbest thing I'd ever heard of. Well, I meet one. Um, and she is almost like my exact opposite in every way. And her name is Mo. And, uh, I find this immense, uh, camaraderie and connection and love in her because there was no lying to her. And th- right away, she was like, you're like, this is so new. This is so new for you. And she was, you know, had exactly two months more experience than me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but like, you know, it's like been a month. So I think we're, I think we're good. And really that was just shock. That was just shock. Um, but I went to therapy um, I went to therapy and my therapist was like, I wonder how well you actually are doing. And I was like, well, just because I've been crying in here for two straight hours, it doesn't mean anything. And as we started to dig into what I thought the issues were, which was all of these people in my life, not, uh, showing up for me the way that I had wanted them to, 
um, this, this incredible feeling of loneliness, she had asked, well, like, have you told them? And I thought that was so rude. Like, why would I have to tell my family, like how I'm doing? And, uh, and then I started to see that they were, they were trying and I was deflecting with just such skill that I truly made it impossible for the people who love me to be there. Like it was not my, my brothers are wonderful people. My brothers dressed my husband's dead body with love. And, and then, and then I just stiff armed them and was like, no, it's good. Thank you. Thank you. I will be fine. Uh, my sister was also going through like her own life stuff. And I, I remember having a conversation with her in the car where she was like, you make it look really easy. And I was like, well, of course it's not. And she was like, how would we know? And I'm like, because you should know that I'm a fucking liar. <laughs> like, how do you not know me? And it was just, uh, it was, it, a lot of that was on me. And the worst thing about being in crisis is that you still are in charge and everybody in your life, you're the epicenter of whatever event this is, your divorce, you losing a job, you losing a kid, whatever thing just rocked your world. You are the, you are the leader. You're the leader of it. And everyone in your life is going to follow your lead. And if the only thing you can say is, I don't know where we're going. That is enough. Mm. That is enough. So, but getting messages from other widows who would say things like, I wish I were doing better. I wish I were doing like, as well as you, I would look around my house and be like, okay, there's like nine empty bottles of skinny girl margarita. I'm treating them like it's a serving size. Um, I don't sleep at night. I just, you know, rearrange my furniture or, you know, uh, or, or go down like bizarre internet rabbit holes, or I, you know, reorganize all of Aaron's CVs by alphabetical order. That seems necessary. Um, like I am not doing well, but I'm presenting this version of reality to the internet where other people see it. And I'm presenting it to people who know me and like, what a liar. Mm. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend. Plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. So you were avoiding it all. And then at some point you found yourself not being not not able to because you found a community, you found your friend and then you. Yeah. Wow. And also it's like it'll get you like it will get you. Your feelings will get you. They will. You can run from them. You are not that fast. You're not that agile. Like they're they are there. They will kidnap you from behind, like drag you out to an alley and be like, feel this. Um. And that's what happened. I, I spent as much time as possible in, um, in sort of shock. And I thought denial was the dumbest phrase I've ever heard because I mean, you, I was, I was not, I was not like, oh, my husband's not dead, but denial is like not letting that reality incorporate into your life. And so for me, denial looked like, well, I will pack a bag. I will take my two-year-old. We'll get on a plane and we will just go and stay with my friends. We'll go stay with anybody in any other city where we don't have to be in our normal life and our normal routine. And therefore, um, I don't have to incorporate this loss into my life. 
I can sort of allow myself to feel like we are just on a trip. Like we are just sort of like out of our normal lives because we were, and uh, that 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 was chipped away with time, and it was also truly brought down completely by meeting the man who's my current husband and having the time and the space and the grace for somebody to sit there and literally let me be like, let me be absolutely a complete and utter mess. And when I tell you that I'm looking for the book, when I tell you that like our, our courtship was primarily him coming over on the, like one night a week, he didn't have his children and um, me sitting on the floor, reading poems to him by Mary Oliver and bawling and then him like tucking me in and leaving. That's how we fell in love. <laughs> was like him, him being like, yeah, like I've been here and his here was not like being widowed. His here was, you know, a different form of life explosion and mm-hmm. which was like a really traumatic, you know, divorce and, and dissolution of their marriage. And, um, and he had, he was several years away from that. And I was one year away from that. And there was not like a rush with him to be fine or to like pretend that anything was something other than it was. And it does take a very, very special kind of person to give that to you. And it's a person who's been through something. doesn't have to be the same thing as you. It's a person who's been through something. Yeah. It's humility. It's humility. That's what it is. That's what you need from someone is someone who can be like, I'm here. Yes. End of story. Mm. Because it's not it's not the signing of the divorce papers. It's not the funeral. It's not the day that you lose your job and your friends are calling you to check in on you. It's six months, a year, two years. It's a, it's a holiday. It's a trip to the post office. It's opening your mail. It's waking up in the morning. It's all those other little moments. And I love the way that you specifically talk about the phrase moving on because everyone has this idea. I mean, you made a whole Ted talk about it. Everyone has this idea that, you know, when something happens in your life that is really hard or in your grieving and your whole life changes, you think, okay, how am I going to move on from this? How am I like, what's the next, what's the next step? And that's not necessarily how it works. And you speak so beautifully about how you move through it, especially with Matthew, your, who you refer to as your current husband. So that's why I'm saying it. I keep on his toes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping, I I think everyone should refer to their spouses. (laughs) It's just factual, just factual. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh he he does laugh at that even though he's like a very shy person. Um yeah, I I think also one of the hesitations that I had around you know um it, it, like I I hid my relationship with Matthew like any healthy person would for a long time, you know, like I wouldn't go out in public with him, which I'm sure felt great. Um or we'd go see a movie in a suburb I'd never been to where I would not uh, see anybody. Or one time we were on a date and someone was like, hey, Nora. And I just turned away from him at the bar as if he were, as if I were at the bar alone and he were just there. And I had a 20 minute conversation with this person. They left. And then I just turned back and looked at him in the mirror and he was like, 
okay. <laughs> like, uh, okay, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> and I was sure because I'd never seen, I'd never seen grief up close. I'd never seen widowhood up close, but there is that phrase. It's very pervasive again in Western, like toxic positivity culture, which is like, you're going to move on. You're going to have like a new beginning. And I, and there's sort of an, there's a delicate dance to all parts of life, right? Um, I mean, if you date right after your divorce, are you moving on too fast? Right. Are you? Are you? Of course, these judgments only apply to women, right. by the way. Yeah. Only. Like, no no one ever is like, I mean, I don't know. Like, should this man be out and about? They're like, he's hurt his feelings. Like, he needs, he needs, like, companionship. Women, they're like, die alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, with a shrine of your dead husband behind you. So I was afraid of judgment. I was also afraid of my own judgment. Um, I was sure that like, I mean, God, if you're happy, like, doesn't that just sort of cancel out your sadness? This is sort of, uh, these are things that feel like a little silly to say out loud, but if you have felt a feeling, like, you know, that when it is intense, you cannot imagine feeling anything else. And it also, I mean, I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose any more of Aaron. I'd already lost so much. And so the idea of um, falling in love with Matthew and having it cost me any more attachment to Aaron was just repellent to me. And also falling in love with Matthew had truly like, unlocked all of that grief that I tried to avoid because I could see with this person and the way that he loved me right away, everything that I had lost with Aaron, which was that like, oh, I did not just lose this, like, you know, just the idea of like, oh, just a husband. Like I lost a person who like knew me and loved me and thought I was so great. And I got to see Matthew like hold our kid which also unlocks something, which is like, oh my God, um, I lost a future. Like I lost everything that we had planned together and I lost uh, possibility. I lost possibility. And so I started to feel that more deeply and I, I felt how connected these two things were. And so when people had said to me, and they never say it unkindly, that's the thing. These phrases are not meant to be unkind. No one says like, oh, you've moved on. Like as, you know, except for like occasional like internet people who are anonymous. And like, you also know are like men, like you just know they're men. And any, any YouTube video of me, like I, I do not read the comments, but there was like this period of time where there's this one person, every YouTube video of me would leave a comment that was like, a widow will never get over her dead husband. I was like, who hurt you? Like, like just, I was like, did you go through all my videos? Like any video I was even on, he was like, no, not possible. Like I was like, something happened to you, sir. I hope, I hope you are getting the help that you need. But, um, but I did not want, like, I just didn't want that. And I could feel how connected they were. And that felt like really sacred and beautiful and holy to me. And, and I could sense that also in like all of these widows I knew too, that like, if, if moving on meant like, oh, the, the love that you have for your dead husband is somehow like null and void. What? It just doesn't make, it just does not make any sense. And I just started to really, really, um, 
like rail against that idea, uh, all of my work is an act of either aggression or passive aggression. So my TED talk was literally, it was, it was for anyone who's been through something hard <laughs> and has been told to sort of like get over it or to, to rush through it. It is truly like something that I made for people to forward to people in their lives who don't get it and be like, this is interesting. Mm. And to open up that conversation, because I think that uh, what, if you have not been through something, through, through, through a very, very sort of life-changing loss, you might believe in that dichotomy, in that, in that belief that somehow, you know, there's, there's, it's two sides to a coin instead of like many, you know, strands to a thread, which is, you know, more what more what it is like all of life all of life is made up of like you said not just the good things that we go through but like the very very difficult things like the stuff of life is not just the day the papers are signed the day you go to the funeral it is all of these things and they are all mixed together and there is like you will find great joy in the sad parts and you will find heartbreak in like your, your, your happiest moments. Like it all can and, and does exist together. And I was very, very ignorant to that. And I also wonder how many times I was ungracious with, with people who I thought were feeling things wrong or experiencing things wrong. Right. So you talk about how uncomfortable grief is not only for those that are going through it, but for the family members or the close friends, it's uncomfortable for them too. Um, And if you've never been through it, but you want to try to relate, how do we help our friends grieve? How, what is the best, is there an effective way to do that? Okay. So I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to illustrate it with a story, which is that people want to know like what they are supposed to do. And the answer is whatever you can do and whatever you will do without expectation without uh, without a thank you, without any ego at all. Something that you will do even if somebody doesn't respond to your text, even if somebody doesn't uh, uh, doesn't reply to you, even if they like take that casserole and throw it in the fucking garbage. Like what can you do and what will you do and what can you do as consistently as possible? And you do not have to say the right thing because there is nothing to say. You can show up and just exist. And you can say, I, I want to be a good friend to you. And I, I have not done this before. And also acknowledge you have not done this before. This is the first time your mom has died. Even if you have two moms, this is the first time this mom has died. It will never be the same. It will always be absolutely different. This is the first time that you've like lost a pregnancy. This is the first time, um, you've, you've been like laid off from a job that was 100% your identity. Like I, I will be here with you in whatever way is, feels good to you. Do you want to talk about it? No. Okay. Do you? Okay. Awesome. I will just listen. I will not try to relate it back to my life. I will not try to like come up with an anecdote. I will not try to, to lighten the mood. I will let the mood be whatever it is. And right now, you know, in this, these unprecedented times, um, we can't be there. Like we can't show up and walk in and like, you know, grab our friend by the shoulders and just sit quietly the way she cries in our lap. And that is so terrible. It is so terrible. And I am in one of these experiences now where my friend is going through something 
really, really difficult. And normally I would get in my car and I would show up and I would do all the physical things that I know that I am capable of as a tall person that she cannot do. And, and I would take care of stuff. I would just do the stuff that I know that I can do. Um, and I can't do that. So I am, uh, I'm just sending her text messages. I'm just checking in with her and she does not reply half the time. And that's okay. I would look at my phone after Aaron was widowed and be like, I can't do this. Like there's, it's 35 text messages. I just have to delete them all. And all I can say is if you don't hear back from somebody, you can keep reaching out and it's not personal because it's not about you and it has never been about you. So my friend Hannah and I became friends primarily after Aaron died. Um, her husband and Aaron had gone to school together. They were like, you know, very, very old friends, but just like one of those things where I think I'd met her at one party. We were all busy. We just never really saw each other. And she somehow got my number. She sent me a message that said, um, Hey, I'm at Costco and I'm getting you milk, eggs, butter, uh, paper towels. It was just things that, you know, things you need, things you always need. And, uh, and I, I, I would have said no, but it wasn't a question. And she said, I'm leaving it on your back step. Um, you don't have to come out. Thank God. I did not have to come out because I didn't want to come out. I didn't want to see her. I didn't want to have to be like, thank you so much. Like come in. I'm going to make you a cup of coffee because I'm fucking demented. And I feel like I have to slip into hostess mode. Like, no, 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 no. She just left it. And she kept doing that. She kept doing that. And guess what? Thank God, because I had no food and I was feeding my kid like dry cereal. And, and like I was like, well, good thing at daycare they feed you. You're probably fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, daycare was next door. True. Thank God. Ugh. Um, and she kept doing that. And then one day I opened the door. Like she just kept showing up. She didn't put it on Instagram. She didn't, you know, and this is like 2014. And I was in Minneapolis and like it, it was a thing that existed on the internet and the internet had made me like the safety net. And so many people showed up who were not the people I expected to, and they didn't need anything from me. Like they didn't need like an acknowledgement. They didn't need me to like reassure them. Um, and Hannah was one of those people. So when she came in, um, you know, she didn't, we were sort of also unencumbered by like a long personal history, which I know like if you really love somebody, you want to be the person who's there for them. And also, uh, it can be very hard. It can just, it's hard for everybody involved. It really is. And your friend who's like having a hard time relating to you because she just went through a terrible divorce and your husband like loves you. Like, it's not about you. (laughs) Like she doesn't hate you, you know, like it's, it's just, it's, it might be hard for her right now. And I, I had shut the door in Hannah's face like four or five times before I opened it and she came in and I, and she just put the stuff in my fridge and then I cried and then she left and that was it. And it's like, from there, we have this amazing friendship and the friends that I do still have from the before times are friends who just showed up and did a thing. And, and it wasn't always like the right thing. You know, I didn't always want to like get a photo of my husband, but now I am glad that I have those. I am glad that I have people who will talk to me about him, not just as like his sickness or his death, but people who will like get a memory from Google photos and be like, holy crap, this is Aaron in 2009 before you even knew him. And uh, so what I'm trying to say is it is so hard. You will do the wrong thing. You will say the wrong thing. And it is, 
and and the way it lands, you can you can own that impact. And also you can adjust your expectations. And the way this feels now for all parties involved is not the way that it will always feel. This is just for now. And so to acknowledge like right off the bat, none of us know what we're doing. None of us, this friendship has never been through this. And to try to navigate it together, knowing like it's not gonna be easy and we're probably gonna hurt each other because that's what hurt people do. Yeah. And I think that that's what a lot of people are feeling now in 2020, you know, not knowing how to show up for someone and also the inability to really show up for someone. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. And we're back. At this point today, or this week, over 176,000 people have died of COVID, um, many of whom are dying alone because they can't, you can't have family there in the hospital. You know, you can't get together for a funeral. Yeah, we can't show up for each other. It, it sucks. It's so bad. And also, it's like, there's this idea that like, well, we're all in it together. And yes, but we're not in the same thing. No, we're like, not. We're not. We're not. We're not. <laughs> like what we're, we're experiencing until... for a, a, yeah. compared to someone who's lost a business, compared to someone who's lost a loved yeah. one, compared to even someone who's lost their senior year and their prom. Yes. All of yes. those things coexist and they are mm-hmm. all everyone's feeling grief and loss, but it's yes. so different. So you're, I love that it's you're saying so like, we're not necessarily all in this together. There's varying degrees yeah. of what that looks like. Yes. There are many varying degrees. And also like as people, the smallest parts of ourselves love to like compare and be like, well, okay. But like, okay, you lost your senior year, but like my grandma died and you're like, okay. Like both of those things exist and they don't have to compare. They can be completely different currencies because they are, there is no exchange rate. Mm -hmm. There's no exchange rate. You can't be like, okay, but like one senior year is really like half a grandma. So (laughs) like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's just nothing good comes from that place. And like, you will never feel better like comparing yourself against somebody else's experience. Cause like, what do you get? Or you're like, mine was the worst. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I win the, the worst year awards. Like, 
so, so useless. And also it's such a nice distraction from your own pain to get highly irritated with somebody and just start looking at their paper instead of your own. But yeah, I'm experiencing a mild inconvenience this year. Like that's what I'm experiencing. This is, this is uh, a difficult, but it's also like not, not the hardest year of my life, not even close. And it is the hardest year of a of some of our kids' lives. Like that is, that is real. And I, I don't think that our ninth grader is going to, um, emotionally grow from being told like, well, at least you're not dead. (laughs) It's just, it's just, just not helpful for an adolescent. It's just not helpful. And also they don't have fully formed, like, you know, executive functions, like their prefrontal cortex is basically like TBD. Okay. They are so selfish by design. It is how teenagers are. It's like, that's just who they are. They are robots who are like me, 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 me. So it's like, yeah, my husband has learned that between pregnancy, my pregnancy hormones, and then like teenage hormones. He's just like, at some points, just like, I have no idea where to turn or where to look or what to say. You're like, you're not, you're not safe anywhere. And that's all you need to know. (laughs) Poor Joe, just existing and standing in the kitchen is like too much for everyone. I know. (laughs) Yeah. How dare he? How dare he breathe so loudly? How dare he? Oh my God. The breathing. Also, we're all spending so much time together. I'm like, I never thought I would be like this kind of, but like in the middle of the night, I'm like, Matthew, you are breathing so hard. I think you have sleep apnea and I'm annoyed with you because (laughs) I want you to go see a doctor. And if you fucking die I will be so <laughs> irritated I will be so mad if you die of like sleep apnea you dummy <laughs> such a dumb thing I don't even know if you can die of it but it sounds like it like it sounds like he's dying every night I'm sure in 2020 you know now you can Ugh. of course yeah now you can <laughs> anything is possible no. Nora you have um still kicking well, which is like these e-courses online right that yeah, help people yeah, go yes. through immense grief and not only that you have a yes. course called let it go which helps people you know yeah. so this is something we can actively do and that our listeners can actively do if they're listening yes. to this conversation and can totally relate and like want to try and yeah. get through some of this horrible grief they're feeling and you can you talk to us about your e-courses and what they are because I really want people to know that this resource is available thank you I'm a terrible business person so I never talk about the business so thank you so still kicking I started in Aaron's honor it's based on his favorite vintage t-shirt that we traced that he got at a thrift store and I wasn't allowed to borrow because I sweat too much (laughs) and and I just showed my like drenched dress to, to our, to our beautiful co-host, just so the listeners know. And also cause my arms were too big. He was a very thin man. He was like, no, I don't want you stretching out that. I was like, cool, 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 Oh cool, my cool. God. Um, so, uh, we, we are a benefit corporation. So we sell, um, we sell apparel, we host events and e-courses and the Profits from that help fund a nonprofit that gives unrestricted grants to people going through hard things, which means we don't pay your bills for you. We give you money and we trust you to know what you need it for and to spend it accordingly and to have that dignity and of, of, of self-determination of knowing that again, life is very, very hard for a lot of people there. You can apply for a grant for any reason, not just medical, although because our um, healthcare system is garbage, we do have like a lot of medical needs, but um, we give grants to people who need it because most Americans don't have $500 saved for an emergency. So 
a part of still kicking is knowing and recognizing we all go through really, really hard times. So part of that has been that I've become a person that people ask questions of, and I am not an expert except in my own experience, like we all are. So my friend, Dr. Anna Roth is an actual psychologist, (laughs) imagine, uh, (laughs) like a true mental health professional. And uh, she worked with me to develop some courses, not just for uh, people experiencing grief, although we do have that, and it is based on her own clinical practice. It is interactive. It is self-paced, so you can take your time with it. And a course for uh, people who want to be better supporters to the grieving. So people who are like watching their friends, their family, their colleagues going through something and want to understand it and and help be a productive part of that healing process. And the Let It Go course is really for people who have internalized a lot of anxieties and 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 grudges and all of those things that sort of weigh you down and keep you up at night. And I host it with Anna, but Dr. Anna brings all of, you know, the true like clinical practices. And part of our, our goal at Still Kickin' is to make um, help accessible for people. So that is why the grants are direct to the person who needs them. You know, you don't have to provide documentation. It is, this is a trust-based economy. And we, um, we pay the people who work for us a living wage, um, even though we are a small business. And uh, we price those e-courses really low, as low as we can, while also paying people uh, a living wage and also making sure that we make enough to provide grants for people so that they're accessible because mental health help of all kinds is very, very difficult for a lot of people to access, especially now. So, um, we we are still developing a lot of courses about a lot of stuff. They're not all going to be grief related, but they all have a common thread, which is like, what do you do when life is really hard? We really want to be the place that people can come to when when life is hard and they don't know what to do. Right. And that feels so prevalent so, to today, right? Especially. Yeah, truly. I'm like, geez, Louise, so we've been many. doing this for five years and we've given out over $250,000 directly wow. to people who need it for like an adaptive van for their kids or because they left their abusive husband and they need, you know, to, to put money down on an apartment uh, or because they have, you know, crippling medical debt or, or, or there's just so many reasons why we need each other and still kicking is the way that you can help show up for other people and show up for yourself. When you started your podcast, terrible, thanks for asking. Were you, did you realize how many people would respond to the concept? How many people would want to share their story about grief? Because even every time I listen to an episode, there's also so many wonderful forums where people can go and connect with each other. And it's, you've just built such a really safe community for people to share their stories. And also every story looks different. No stories necessarily the same. It's not stories the same. Yeah, no story is the same. So when I pitched it to American Public Media, this is 2015. So there were only maybe 100,000 blogs in the world, not like 100 million or podcast blogs. Podcasts are just really audio blogs. Let's just be honest. Okay. (laughs) People who are bloggers are now podcasters or Instagrammers. It's just, it's all a a snake eating its own tail. And I had, I had that the concept I did not have an audience. So I was, I cannot stress how unimportant I was in the world of media. Like nobody would email me back or uh, 
like cared about me or literally anything I did. Like I, I still don't worry. I have all my rejection emails filed away because I'm a psycho. Um, <laughs> like rejection emails of all kinds, by the way. Also, some people have circled back and been like, I'd love to be on the pod. I'm like, that's amazing. Cause in 2015, yeah. speaking of let it go, um, <laughs> Speaking of letting go of grudges, never do it. That's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, stay petty, everybody. Stay petty. So, uh, so I, I had an idea. I brought it to American Public Media. They really had not worked with a person like me before, which is to say, a person who was not from the public media world. And I just sort of like met the right person on the right day. And I remember being asked, like, "Well, who would listen to this?" And I was like, "Oh, everyone or no one." Like it. <laughs> either everyone or no one. And there's no way to tell. Let's find out. But uh, part of me was very, very unsurprised when like the first episode was in the top 10 on iTunes. I was like, oh, duh. Like, of course, that's like how I'm trying to do things. Like I'm trying, of course, of course. Um, And a part of me also was like, it could not really conceive of like what it meant that many, that this many people were hearing a thing. And uh, the, the entire first season came from my inbox because Aaron and I had written his obituary together and it went viral and people had started reaching out to me to say, Oh God, I read your obituary and you know, you know, quick pivot into their own story. Like, (laughs) I'm so sorry. And also this thing happened to me. And I realized that they were emailing me a complete stranger because the people in their lives had no longer asked about it thought it was over because it happened a year or five years or decades before sometimes. Um, And so why ask? Like what, it's probably not even a thing anymore. So I brought that idea, that inbox to APM and all of those, um, all of those uh, episodes came from people who had already reached out to me. And that is how most of our episodes have come to us too. Like it is very, very rare that I have to like reach out and, and pitch somebody I'm coming on the show. It's more often, and this is something I really kind of want. I always kind of want it to be based on like regular people. And I know everyone is a regular people inside, but there is uh, something to hearing a story that otherwise uh, wouldn't be on a show, you know, like people who don't like, who haven't, you know, had like a huge Instagram following or like built something or like people who've just experienced a thing and then sort of like lived with it. So I was surprised at what it meant to have that many people listen to it. If that makes sense. Like it's when you see a number, it doesn't really compute, but like the more you start to hear from people, Um, the more you realize like, oh, like this is really something that even though sometimes um, I'm never like, I don't know how to explain it. It's a job, like any other job, right? Like you love your job. And also like you are at work right now and you have to do things for this podcast that you love making that also you're like, it's also just work. (laughs) Like, it's not like every moment you're like, what a magical life, making a podcast with my friend. Like, you know, some days you're like, oh my God, I didn't write a description. But you're like, oh, in in one episode, like, and I don't know how to fix this, but like in one episode I described, uh, uh, what's the thing where they like, um, they have to test the, oh my God, they put a needle in your stomach when you're pregnant. What is that? Oh, to test the like umbilical fluid yes. like, to do extra. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah no, I know. But I yeah. described it as drawing a baby's blood. 
through, oh my God. through, which it's not. I was like, I just didn't, I was working really fast. I'm a dumb person. We don't, <laughs> at the time we did not have like an editor or a fact checker. And I was like, someone wrote me this horrible email that was like, you are, you know, spreading misinformation. Oh you are oh God. keeping women scared. And I was like, no, I'm just stupid. Like, and yes, that could be a side effect, but also like, shit, I'm sorry. And also it was just two people making this podcast, making 30 episodes a year of something that is like highly edited and, you know, and stylized and written. Like I write a script for it and, uh, oh God, but no, to be able to do it is still like really, really wonderful. And to have like an idea proven out where I do know that I could make an episode every day. I can make 10 episodes every day for the next 10 years and never tell the same story twice. is pretty yeah. uh, incredible. Do you think people also heal, feel a sense of, I don't know what the right word would be, but essentially like a sense of peace about the grief that they're experiencing while hearing someone else's grief or yeah, do you that's, think that's why I, um, so one thing is like, I always wanted it to be less about like whenever people are like, it's a grief podcast. I'm like, sure. And like, it's a life podcast, which is, it's almost like everything I do is like not specific enough. Like people are like still kicking. Is it for cancer? I'm like, sure. And mm-hmm. like TTFA, is it for, is it for grief? Yeah, sure. And, um, and I, I'm very careful. And this is also something that not everybody loves, but it's like in the description, I don't tell you too much about the story itself because otherwise you will self-select out of it. You will read somebody's like synopsis and be like, oh, but like, I don't have a dead baby. I'm not going to relate to that. And it's like, no, 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 but it's not about, it's not about just what happened. It's about all the feelings that surround it. It's about all of these other things. So yeah, I, I've gotten really surprising emails from older men, which is not my demographic, like in the least, who are like, I never thought, well, one, I just found out what podcasts are. And two, um, I never thought I would I would relate so much to, you know, stories like this. I never thought I would relate to the story of this woman who who's um, you know, a, a like adopted children were 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 kidnapped from her. I and I and I can't stop thinking about her and I want to reach out to her. Like it's it has been very um I knew that the way that I was pitching it was a hope, which is like, oh you can you can learn from a story even if it's not specifically tied to your own. Um but yeah that is proven out. I feel like all these stories are so different. Each episode is so completely different. But you somehow find what is the common thread that you find when you're interviewing people that binds us as humans? The, the I mean, if, if I'm, I'm, I was a, I was an okay English major. So it's all, it's the hero's journey, right? So it's, it's Joseph Campbell, heart of darkness. Like it, this is, goes back to mythology. It goes back to, you know, the, the very first stories we ever told, which is that there's just one story. Like there is just one story in the world told countless ways, which is like, we're living life it, and then we're pulled into the unknown. This is also like completely the plot of like ever, truly frozen too. Okay. Into the unknown. Yeah. You don't want to go too bad, too bad, too bad. You're down there. You're going to meet unexpected allies. You come back, you'll come back to the same origin point, but you're a little bit, you're on a higher plane. You have special knowledge now. So you look the same. You're Bilbo Baggins. You look exactly, you go right back to the Shire, but you're not the same. Everybody thinks you're the same. No, you've been on this huge adventure. Like, you know, something before that you didn't. And so we talk to people who are in different 
you know, stages of that hero's journey. And sometimes they are already at like the return stage where they, they can, they can truly like reflect on the experience and what it means. But just as often we talk to people who are in the middle of it. And I love the middle. I love the middle because we don't get enough middle. We get a lot of before and after, and we don't get enough of like the middle part is actually the longest part. It sucks so bad for so long, like so bad. So that's what it is. It is just a hero's journey. It is the universal story told a million times over. Well, in in talking a little bit about your hero's journey, I saw last week that you posted on your Instagram a photo of Taylor Swift's record lover. And we're talking about Aaron Fest. Um, Do you mind talking a little bit about how, when that started in your life and in in your hero's journey and how that works today? Yeah. So Aaron Fest is, um, Aaron's birthday. He, oh my God, he like, he loved parties. His birthday was this huge deal where he would basically bring all of his friends. And by friends, I mean, like he, as an adult would invite colleagues, like professional colleagues, along with his friends from grade school or high school or college. It would just be this group of mismatched people. Most people are like, Oh, this is a party just for this specific group. No. Aaron, like the first night I met him, he was like, come out, you know, like meet me at this bar. And I was like, oh, obviously he's interested in me. I walk in, there's 40 people at a table. I'm not exaggerating. I was like, shit. Oh my God. He just invited everyone, but he got up and found me a chair and then found a chair for my cousin. Like, it's just how he was. So Aaron Fest, uh, his birthday's April or August 21st. And Aaron Fest is, they'd all go up to his grandpa's land. They would camp in Minnesota, have a fire, drink too much, you know, just dumb stuff. And it would happen. He started it in high school. I met him when he was 31 and, and I went for the first time at 27. It was so overwhelming. I sat in the tent and read a book for most of it because it was, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to have fun for an extended amount of time around people. I don't know. It's just not for me. Um, but he, like, it was really just like a party through for like other people. And you know, it was harder to do when he got sick. We had a couple like sort of low key-ish ones, like chemo-ish ones. And after Aaron died, I didn't know what to do with all these dates. Like there's so many dates that feel important. Like there's his birthday, there's his death anniversary, there's our wedding day, which is also the day of his funeral. There's the day we had our first date. There's the day he went into hospice, which is also the first date I ever went on with Matthew one year later. It's like all these dates and I don't know what to do with them. And his birthday and his death anniversary, I had like held on to as like my, you know, me, I will be sad on these days and I will do something alone, maybe with my child, Ralph, but maybe not. And a few years ago, I decided to like make Aaron Fest the thing. I was like, no, 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 we're going to do it. We're going to have a, a party. So last year we had uh, all my, my siblings, Aaron's mom, Matthew's parents, my current husband's parents, um, my, my aunt and uncle, my mother are all the cousins. We had them over and we did Aaron's favorite things. We drank Mountain Dew and Grain Belt beer, which is so disgusting. He loved it so much. Just, <laughs> oh, it just makes me gag. Taco Bell, which you have regrets afterwards, but feels so good. We got a bouncy house. I bought all the kids presents. I bought them like Aaron presents, like something unnecessary and something expensive mm-hmm. and just foolish. <laughs> and, and it felt so good to have that day be be happy, you know, and also to have like everybody there 
for it and to bring like, you know, the big kids, you know, that Matthew brought into this marriage into it and to bring Matthew's family into it and have Aaron's mom there. And this year we did it again in a very small way with just Aaron's sister and her children. But I mailed gifts out to all the nieces and nephews, stupid, expensive stuff. Like you want a robot poodle? I'll find one. I didn't know that even existed. You get it. Okay. Like, Oh, you want a pair of Nikes that I've never heard of? Awesome. Wonderful here. And now your cousin's got a matching pair. It was just like this day of, of making people feel like they were a part of the party, which is what Aaron was so good at. And, uh, and finding sort of death rituals, finding, I don't know, meaning it or things that are meaningful ways to mark the passage of time is really difficult. We don't have a very like grief literate society and, and, and you can make it up. And by the way, just because you start it four years later or five years, it's never too late. Someone, someone was in my comments saying like, you know, oh, my, my, you know, my mom died three years ago. I wish I would have thought, I'm like, do it this year. Also do it any day. Who cares? Like you can, you can make it up. It can, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And you can find meaning in that. And Taylor Swift was very important to our relationship. We met Aaron and I met in 2010. She had not yet made the crossover to pop truly like, you know, you belong with me was sort of like a semi, but we're still in like the fearless. We're in the, we're in the, we're in the speak now where we're like, it's not quite, she hasn't quite made that jump. She's not like truly like mainstream cool to like. And Aaron was a 31 year old man who was like, she's a musical genius. She's a genius. Like, you know, she, she's unstoppable. And I was like, I fully agree. The first night we met, we've been talking about Taylor Swift. I brought the people magazine, Taylor tells all, which I still have that copy. And he was like, thank you. I've been looking for this. And uh, like the last thing he ever bought was tickets to the 1989 tour which he was obviously not going to make it to, but I was like, sure. Yeah. Use your mom's Amex, get those, get those early bird tickets. And they arrived after he died. And I was like, oh my God, do I go? And I went and it feels red was like the, the, you know, the album of our falling in love. And 1989 was like the, 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 the album of like losing him and uh, reputation was something he would have really loved. Mm. And lover was, uh, you know, it was a slow burn for me, but folklore, fuck that was written for Aaron. It really was. Okay. The boy, all he wore was cardigans. The first single was cardigan. (laughs) I just refuse to not believe that, 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 that all those songs are about Aaron. So, um, did you go alone when you went to the concert? Now I went with my sister because uh, I was like, who would he invite who wasn't him? Mm. I was like, it'd be my sister because my sister had brought us to the Beyonce concert the year before where like just bawling to uh, Halo. Um, and uh, he was like, cool it. I'm still alive. I was like, yeah, I know. But just, <laughs> you know, just pre, just getting those feelings in right now. So Matthew, my current husband, bought me Lover on Vinyl. Uh, which was really lovely. And he gave that to me for Aaron Fest and I had not gotten him anything because I don't remember to buy men gifts. I just don't. I just don't think they get gifts. They're the worst. They're the worst people to shop for. It's like terrible, terrible trying to buy a man a gift. Oh my God. I'm like, happy birthday. Go go buy, buy something, something yourself. Yes. They're very good yes. at that. <laughs> I'm like, yes. I'm like, I don't know. I saw you looking at a watch, maybe. I don't yeah. know, but you already have one. I don't know what you'd need. I don't know. I got you. Watches, for... headphones. 
headphones. Yeah. How many headphones do you need? I don't care, but it's like, it's so hard. I'm like, what do you, what do you want? Like, I don't want to be so like, do you want a grill? Like, geez, yeah. <laughs> how many grills can you have? It just sounds, it just feels so cheesy to be like, yeah. And then I'll also give you a grill. I don't know. Uh, so it was beautiful and wonderful. And at, at, when I tucked the little boys in at night, they were like happier and fast. And uh-huh. the baby that I have with Matthew is like, good night, Aaron. Like, and Aaron's his, you know, fairy godfather. And I'm making it sound like really nice and neat. And it really is now, but it wasn't for a long time. I thought all those things had to belong to just me. And they had to be things that I like sort of protected from, you know, outside influence to keep them pure. And they are things that are much better, much better shared. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to share all of your experiences with us today. We've we're so grateful that you had the time to be able to sit down with us. Oh my so, God, thank you for having me. I know all of our listeners after this will definitely want to follow you. Listen to the podcast. Where can they find you on socials? Oh, it's Nora Borealis, like the Aurora Borealis, Nora Borealis on Instagram everywhere. I quit Twitter. I'm, I'm not, I'm not built for it. And, uh, and I don't think we're going on Facebook anymore. No, I yep. just don't. And then the podcast is TTFA podcast on Instagram. You can also just find it by searching terrible. Thanks for asking. I appreciate that she said we're not all in this together because there are times when I know that we've gotten together, Kayla, and we're talking about the things that we're experiencing and the ups and downs that we've experienced in 2020. And then, you know, we are fully aware of other people that we know, friends or people we don't know that well who have experienced something of a greater loss. And it's, it's been, you know, trying to fight it, to try to compartmentalize what that all means and the idea of comparing losses to another person, as opposed to just experiencing what you're experiencing, making room for that to be okay. Right. And the fact that we all will and are experiencing loss, but life is a roller coaster. Sometimes you're up at the top. Sometimes you're really down low and just figuring out what that means and how to help each other. And I think Nora had such a wonderful way of expressing how to help others, especially during this time. Just just show up. And that doesn't obviously right now, not physically don't show up physically to people's houses, but just show up in any way you can. And even if you don't get a response back, it's okay. Just keep trying. And I know, Candace, you and I talk about making sure we're okay and our families are okay, our friends are okay. We want to make sure our listeners are okay during this time. You guys, mental health is really important. Make sure you reach out and are taking care of yourself. I think taking care of ourselves in 2020 is so important. Even if we don't know how that looks, but just being aware of taking care of yourself. I think that's something that I've had to figure out is that I realized that there was a lot of times where I wasn't taking care of myself because I didn't really know how that looked. And I thought it was, you know, in relation to what Nora was talking about, it was being positive and positive affirmations and everything's okay. And, you know, well, just because we're not experiencing X, Y, and Z, then, you know, we should be completely okay all the time. (laughs) And that's not necessarily how it works. And, and so you have to make room and make time and make space to, um, to take care of yourself, but also to figure out what that means and know that taking care of yourself is going to look completely different comparatively to how someone else takes care of themselves. Right. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged. We have another great episode coming up next week. Until then, take care.
Thank you.